Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Citizens of Perfectville and Doll fans everywhere, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next head coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50-5-0. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. No, no, no. Not just basketball, ladies and gentlemen. Bet Online's your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. The coverage is the best in the business, from sports right down to your Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network. I am Sam Marcou, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm well, my friend. Uh, We got Miami Dolphins news. Mm -hmm. We've got a free agency on the horizon. Next time we talk, uh, we might have some new Miami Dolphins, some old Miami Dolphins that are currently Miami Dolphins. And there's uh, still here in mid-March, we have a lot to talk about. So this is great. There's always something to talk about with the Miami Dolphins. We've maintained that for many, many years here on the Welcome to Perfectville podcast, that uh, the offseason is almost more fun for us than the regular season, simply because there's just so much going on, news, views, everything else. Uh, let's start with the biggest news to affect the Miami Dolphins directly right now, Chris, and that is the fact that our tight end, possibly slot wide receiver, depending on who you talk to, Mike Gesicki, is uh, franchise tagged for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he will be back for one more year. It's a matter of at what price points. We don't know if Mike Gesicki is happy or not about this, but he is having himself just an insanely busy week. He gets married. He's hanging out with his boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua is not at the wedding. I don't care about that. I don't think you do either. He goes on his honeymoon, and then it comes due. The Dolphins have to make a decision whether they're going to franchise tag their tight end or not. They decide to do it. That holds a tag in 2022, Chris, of $10.9 million, almost $11 million. Um, I don't know how anybody who can go on their honeymoon and uh, be told, hey, we're going to pay you $11 million for the next 12 months and be upset, but uh, it's possible that Mike Kosicki is upset. And uh, why don't you explain everybody why that might be? So there's a lot of talk out there, some rumblings that Mike Kosicki, uh, congratulations on being married, by the way. Um, it considers himself more than a tight end. And why is that significant? It's significant because his franchise tag cap number is a lot more than 10.9 million though to tight end is which by the way running back and kickers only positions lower than tight end um it's a smart move we saw a ton of tight ends uh tag including uh Dawson Knox in um uh Ninjoku in Cleveland so I mean it's like one of those things where the top tight end is getting paid I think like 15 16 million probably Kittle probably Kelsey one of those guys um so you tag him for five million less try to work on a deal see how he does in the Mike McDaniel offense it's all win-win for the Miami Dolphins 
Now, the only problem with Mike Kosicki is, and we talked about this before, is if he considers himself a slot receiver, which the numbers do show he plays in the slot and out wide significantly more than he does as a quote-unquote tight end. Well, we got to break down and peel the onion back more and decide what is a tight end in today's NFL um, because those are more like, the, you know, is Kyle Pitts really a tight end like Tony Gonzalez was or like, you know, Darren Smythe is. Um, so it, uh, Jimmy Graham tried to do this a few years ago. It's not going to work. He it, obviously – He's the new offense, so the, the Miami Dolphins can, if they go to arbitration, go, uh, you don't even know how we're going to use them yet. We're not the same offensive coaches last year. Uh, ultimately, it's not a, a fact that he is going to file a grievance. There's just a rumor, and it's been spoken about that it's a possibility. I can see why on both sides, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think he uh, the usage of him lining up as a traditional tight end is like 17% of his snaps, whereas the majority of the time he's out, you know, slot in the slot side or, or somewhere out wide, which is the contention for Mike Kosicki or people that are talking on Mike Kosicki's behalf that he should be classified as a wide receiver versus a tight end. And here's the difference. Almost $11 million to be franchise tagged as the tight end, Chris. Over $18 million if you're franchise tagged as a wide receiver. Here's the thing. The Miami Dolphins are absolutely not using a franchise tag on Mike Kosicki if he's classified as a wide receiver. They will rescind that. He'll hit free agency. Uh, He's in between, right? I mean, I I understand where he's talking about in, in terms of the traditional roles, which maybe they need to update uh, the, the, the overall, you know, uh, franchise tag ability, but he's somewhere between 11 million and 18 million. He's not 18 million. He's probably worth more than 11 million. I think the highest paid tight end in the league right now is Mark Andrews, and rightfully so. And he's right around 15 million, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're Mike Gesicki, you're probably looking for a long term contract from the Miami Dolphins or anybody else that's going to be in that range. Now, he's not Travis Kelsey. He's not George Kittle. He's not Mark Andrews. He's maybe the next tier down, and he has the potential to be, you know, right there but he's not the highest pay and he should not be the highest paid tight end in the league. In my opinion, I think it's a very shrewd business move by the Miami dolphins for a number of reasons. Uh, the Miami dolphins need weapons. So they had Gasicki last year. They had Jalen Waddle last year, and then kind of a bunch of guys. I mean, Devonte Parker was great when he was there, but he wasn't there all the time and everyone else you can kind of take or leave uh, in terms of wide receivers, tight ends, the supposed free agent class that was going to happen this year uh, you mentioned some of those tight ends, you know, Dawson Knox, Njoku, Gesicki, Dalton Schultz out of uh, Dallas, who was a name that if we couldn't keep Gesicki, people thought, well, maybe we can go get Dalton Schultz out of Dallas. He was franchise tagged as well. Uh, you have Devontae Adams. You had Chris Godwin, Mike Williams. You had a bunch of names that look nice on paper as a potential free agent boom for the Miami Dolphins or anybody else who's in the market for weapons. But it ultimately went bust, Chris, because most of these guys signed on the dotted line or were franchise tagged themselves, meaning that talent pool shrunk to a very narrow amount of people that it would make sense to spend this much money on to the point where the Miami Dolphins looked at this and went, well, it's probably cheaper to keep Gesicki as a pass catching whatever he is, offensive weapon, than it is to you know overpay for somebody who's got a franchise tag tender and give up draft picks on top of it. It just made sense for the Miami Dolphins to keep Mike Gesicki in the, in the field, basically, for the Miami Dolphins for another year. Well, like I said, it's a win for the Miami Dolphins, and, and it's because he gets to now be in the, the um, study rooms and all that with Mike McDaniel and his staff for the entire season. Um, we can see how Mike McDaniel uses them. He gets to know him more. Yeah, he saw some tape and stuff, but, like, I mean, he's not got his hands on him and got the, like, game plan for him and things like that. Another year with Tua uh, where they had great chemistry already going into it. 
Um, so it's a win for the Dolphins. Um, uh, you're right. They need to do something where there's like a wide receiver uh, um, franchise tag, a tight end franchise tag, and then there's like a flex franchise yeah. tag because the way the, the tight end is being used right now, you're perfectly correct. They're not 18 million like a Devontae Adams, but they're not 10 million like a kicker or running back. There should be a 15, 14 million there. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. That's the on the NFL Players Association. That's uh, on them. Somebody, one former player, said that uh, NFL players are getting robbed of their crime because uh, teams, for example, with Devontae Adams, who should be paid as the absolute highest paid receiver in the NFL. Uh, just keeps getting franchise tagged and dicked over where he's, he's risking injury, um, all kinds of different things, um, where he's just like kind of the rights are owned by that team and there's no way to get out of it. I mean, you hold out, but you're not getting paid and you're not playing. So um, and next time they sit down, the NFL Players Association has to do something with their uh, collective bargaining agreement because right now there's a reason why all those NFL teams slap tags on the tight end so quickly. It's just always in the team's favor. Well, it should also be limited too. I mean, you should only be able to use the franchise tag on one player one time in their, you know, in that realm, right? So if we use Gasicki franchise tag this year, we can't use it next year. Right? To me, that seems fair. All right. We have an extra year. We're going to exercise it. We're going to pay you as a top five tight end. And then next year, if we don't come to an agreement, you hit the open market. We can't use the franchise tag. To me, that seems like a happy medium, but we'll we'll solve the NFL problems later on a different episode of Welcome to Perfectville. This episode, we are focused on uh, Mike Isicki. We're focused on the Miami Dolphins, and we're focused on the things that have happened prior to free agency, Chris. We talked a lot about the draft on the last episode. This episode, I want to talk about the upcoming free agency period because that happens about a week from today when we are recording this right now. And we've seen some movement and actually some pretty big movement. Uh, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. We're going to talk about the offensive line. We're going to talk about how all these moves are connected somehow to the Miami Dolphins in segment number two. But sticking with segment number one, Mike Kosicki, Miami Dolphins, back again. I think it answers a question that maybe people were getting bored and, and kind of created this you know uh, scenario of whether or not we wanted Mike Kosicki or not. Mike McDaniel has been very clear about utilizing his talent uh, the best way that you know where their talent is. Right. So if Mike Kosicki is a pass catching offensive threat who doesn't block very well, then we're going to use him as a pass catching threat who maybe doesn't block all the time. Um, and now that he's, you know, that question has been answered. Do we want him back or not? Is he going to fit in this Mike McDaniel offense or not? Clearly the answer is yes, because say what you will, they're paying him $11 million to come back to the Miami Dolphins and essentially catch the ball a lot from Tua Tungavailoa in this offense. Uh, what does this mean for the Miami Dolphins offense with Mike Gesicki now back in the fold, at least for one more year? I mean, are we going to see more of Mike Gesicki as a pass catcher? Or are we going to see less? Or you think they're going to try to develop him into a blocker? What does this mean? Big picture, Chris Cullen. From the limited amount of things I've seen about Mike McDaniel, he's probably excited to get to work and scheme up something maybe defenses haven't even seen before. Mike running the ball, Mike, you know, who knows? I mean, this is the type of uh, coach that wants to come in, unlike the old school, that's like, oh, he doesn't fit my scheme. We got to cut him and get, bring someone that does. He's like, oh, let's see what I can do with this here. This is pretty cool. Um, and that's the kind of coach you want. You know, why get rid of Gasecki and now you have to fill two spots? You know what I mean? You got to get another playmaker and you still have to get a tight end that can block. Um, and they're not falling, you know, coming off the trees. Obviously, we just talked about all the guys that were franchise tagged that were just set to be free agents. So I think we see more uh, pass catching threats from Gasecki because I honestly think we're going to rebuild the line and have a better run game. And that's going to set him up on play action over the seam, taking advantage of mismatches. 
with uh, safeties and linebackers covering Mike. And if Mike McDaniel is smart, he's going to go on empty. He's going to go in uh, personnel that's setting up Mike Gusecki to attack a defense, like he's always said. And, and I think where he's going to have a hell of a year, especially playing on a franchise tag, looking to get a longer contract. Yeah, I mean, there's motivation there for Mike if he doesn't get to a long-term extension for the Miami Dolphins, because that can still happen. They can take the franchise ten- tender off and they can still sign a long-term contract or they can rescind it. He could become a free agent altogether if they wanted to. I doubt that's what's going to happen. But again, from the business side of things, putting the franchise tag on Mike Kosicki right now allows for this negotiation period to continue, right? So there was a deadline. We met the deadline and we can just keep going forward from there. You'd so mentioned this. Yeah. And you'd mentioned this before, I think on the last episode, Chris, Mike McDaniel has a lot of pre-snap motion. I believe you talked about this. If not, then I'm giving you credit for what somebody else said that I overheard because I talked to so many people about the Dolphins these days. I can't remember who said what, but uh, yeah, it was you because it sounded good. Right. But there's so much pre-snap motion um, in a Mike McDaniel's offense. If you look over the years in terms of when he's been involved, putting Mike Kosicki in motion, you know, taking him from the slot to the line, from the line to the other side of the line, from the line to the slot. There's so many things you can do to hide whatever this weakness is that we've all you know, developed for Mike Kosicki as a blocker in the run game. Um, putting him in packages where the defense looks like we're going to run or looks like we're going to pass, but then ultimately it's the other way around. All of those mismatches smack of a Mike McDaniel offense. And I think Mike Kosicki is one of those guys, probably one of three, and we'll talk about who I think the third part of that leg is, Jalen Waddle being the other, that is really going to benefit immensely from a Mike McDaniel-led offense with you know, um, our new offensive coordinator and everybody else involved here. So again, I think it's a good fit for the Miami Dolphins. I was not a fan of saying Mike Kosicki should walk. I was hoping they could come to a long-term agreement so we didn't have to deal with the franchise tag and some of the anxiety that goes along with that. But ultimately, this is the right move for the Miami Dolphins. Like you said, I think it's going to be the right move for Mike Kosicki. He's going to see this offense. He's going to play in this offense. He's going to flourish in this offense. And I think he's going to go, oh yeah, no, this is the right place for me. Penn State, Miami, Pro Bowl, hopefully one day, Super Bowl, Mike Kosicki, tight end for the Dolphins. Plus, we're not talking about teaching neurosurgery. I mean, this is a really good offensive line coach we're bringing in and a really good tight end coach that we're bringing in, Sam. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, you can take a homeless person off the street and teach them to block. But if you have the right coaches in place, they can coach Mike Gusecki to get better at blocking. I mean, it's not really you get your body in front of a guy and lock up the inside pads and, and drive. And Mike Kosicki is a professional athlete. He's been blocking his entire life as a tight end, uh, whether good or not, that's up to you um, and the viewer. But if you bring in these guys that can coach them up and they're all about teaching, um, they can take a possible weak spot. And even if they put it up to moderately well or modest, he's still a, a better football player for it. So, I mean, it's not like they're teaching him how to throw a fucking 15 yard corner or something. This is, this is blocking guys. It's not, it's not rocket science. Like you said, it's not rocket surgery. It's not, it's not brain science or however you want to mix mismatch those two up. Um, but, and that's a good thing because Mike Kosicki went to Penn state. So you really can't expect, expect him to do brain surgery anyways. He went to fucking Penn state. Speaking of which good friend of ours, good friend of the show. One of my favorite guests of all time, OJ McDuffie, also a Penn state alum, uh, was talking to him the other night there, Chris, and uh, he had some insight as to uh, a certain offensive weapon that is in play, what it looks to be in play for the Miami Dolphins. Um, 
I talked about it a little bit earlier, maybe the third leg of a, a, a three, uh, three-headed three monster here for the offensive weapons for Tua Tungabailoa to pick from. Jalen Waddell, Mike Kosicki already here. But we've heard this name before, and the wide receiver class did dry up when it came to free agency, Chris, but there's a name that's going to be hung out there, it sounds like, uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, Amari Cooper, 27 years old, Alabama, just like Tua, just like Jalen, from Miami. Uh, so there's always motivation to come back home and play in front of your friends, in front of your family, in front of all your colleagues. Looks like he's going to be a free agent. Looks like the Dallas Cowboys are cutting ties with Amari Cooper. And I am of the opinion here, Chris, I put it on Twitter today, that this shakes up the free agency board for the Miami Dolphins. And it went from offensive line priority one, two, and three to Amari Cooper priority one, everything and everyone else after that. What say you? Am I exaggerating my yearning and desire for Amari Cooper to join this Miami Dolphins offense, or is he the right fit like I think he is? Well, Sam, surprise, surprise. We've been hosting a podcast together for a long time, and it seems like 95% of the time we're in agreement. <laughs> we are this time. Amari Cooper, you go get him. He's still young. He's fast. He's electric. He's explosive. He's big. He's a playmaker. He's done it on a big level. Um, under the big lights there in Jerry world, um, hometown of Miami, Florida. He said before, you know, uh, it'd be out, it's a dream to play in your home city You know, play at Miami Northwestern, I believe without looking it up. Um, so yeah, uh, you go get him, especially if it's a, you know, a mo- modest deal because he didn't play a full season um, or, or fuck it, pay him, pay him a lot. We have cap money. It's not my money. Uh, Steven Ross owes it to the offense, owes it to Mike McDaniel. Owes it to Tua Tungabailoa. As long as he wants to be here, you get the checkbook out and you and you make it happen because that guy added with Gasecki and Waddle, possibly Parker, um, and then maybe a young guy that we get in the draft could be a really, really deadly set of weapons. Yeah, you know it's funny too because uh, there's a rumor that came out, and again, you know me with rumors, Chris. If if it's out there, I choose to believe it. And the rumor is uh, that I saw on Twitter is that Amari Cooper. Got into an argument with Dak Prescott during their loss to the San Francisco 49ers and blasted Dak Prescott as the quote unquote black Kirk Cousins, which uh, might have been the end all be all uh, insult of all insults to Dak Prescott being compared to Kirk Cousins. And uh, once you know it, here we are a few months later and Amari Cooper is on his way out. But I mean, you said it 6'1, 210 pounds. He went to Alabama. You know, he knows Tua, he knows Jalen Waddle just from that, you know, um, uh, college uh, uh, background there. He's, I mean, good Lord, 27 years old. He absolutely, I mean, <laughs> $18 million would be a top five wide receiver. In my opinion, that's what you're paying this guy. You're telling him, I'm going to give you top five wide receiver money. You're going to come home. Uh, there's some tax benefits to living and playing in Florida. Uh, here's the other part of this. In talking to OJ McDuffie last night, Chris, OJ McDuffie went to Penn State. The agent for Amari Cooper is a friend of OJ McDuffie's who also went to Penn State. OJ McDuffie has it on pretty good authority that Amari Cooper wants to come to Miami. He would love nothing more than to play for the Miami Dolphins, his hometown team growing up. It's just a matter of if they can make it work. I mean, obviously Miami needs to have um, uh, an interest in Amari. Amari needs to have an interest in Miami. It sounds like those two things are happening. Now it's a matter of dollars and cents. Can we sign him? Does he make sense in this offense? I think he makes perfect sense in this offense. I, I'll, I'll go far as to say, if we don't make a huge, strong push for Amari Cooper, 
I'm going to be disappointed in Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, and the whole Miami Dolphins front office. He's that much of a perfect fit for this Miami Dolphins offense. Yeah, and it, I mean, really, like you said, the uh, wide receiver rooms dried up as far as free agency goes. That was a good class in the draft, but that is just such a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, this guy has just been, uh, from my memory, memory serves me here. I'm just reading off of, not reading, um, you can't see me, but um, from what I've read, I mean, this guy just showed out immediately from when he got to Alabama uh, and, and in the biggest games. I'm like breaking records. Um, multiple touchdowns, almost 200 yards in a game, like in the Iron Bowl and like the uh, the national championships and the big games. Uh, this is just somebody you have to get on your team, especially yeah. when it's something like the Cowboys that are paying a ton of money to the Black Kirk Cousins. They're paying a lot of money to the fat running back Ezekiel Elliott, and they just don't have the money. And they have you know Gallup and these other guys, and they just figure, eh, not, we got Knox and 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 uh, you know whatever, and Gallup, we can let them walk. Um, and we have to money wise you know, th- with the cap and everything. So it's not like they're getting rid of him because he's old and washed up. They just find that their situation, he, he, they can live without him. Meanwhile, in Miami, it, it, you, you take Amari Cooper and you're putting him where Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins were last year, as good as they were and everybody liked them. Come on, you put Amari Cooper in this offense with the, with the motion, you know, as a defensive coach, I say this a lot. When you come into a game, Mike Gusecki, Jalen Waddell, Amari Cooper, what does Bill Belichick like to do? Take away your number one? That's exactly. three number ones. Yeah. You can't take them all away. There's not enough players on a defense to do it. So, yeah, you bring them in, Sam. Like you said, back the truck up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would go as far as, I mean, people are going to scoff at this number, but $20 million. Give them $20 million. You have the time. You have the space to do it. Now, it's up. a it's a little bit of a precedent because you are going to have to figure out a way to keep Mike and Sicky long-term. And then eventually Jalen Waddle's contract is going to come up down the road, but you know, I, I think it's worth it. I think he's a guy that does change the fundamental uh, outcome of a game uh, when he is on the field with Jalen Waddle, with Mike Kosicki and Tua Tungavailoa throwing him the ball. I mean, that Alabama connection, that South Florida, Miami connection, it just makes too much sense. We have all the money in the world to make this happen. Um, it seems like the stars are lining up for Amari Cooper to be a Miami Dolphin. And again, uh, we talked to Pierre Garçon last week. He talked about coming home to South Florida and playing in that stadium, playing in front of your friends, in front of your family. That was when he was his most pumped. That's the stadium he liked to play in the most because it was home. Imagine doing that as Amari Cooper here at least eight games a year now, nine games in some years. Holy shit, it makes all the sense in the world. And again, we need offensive line help. I've been banging the table for veteran offensive linemen, and we need that. We're going to talk about that right after the break. But this changes, this reshuffles the deck here. If Amari Cooper is available, I would go as far as to say, go trade for him. Just secure it now. Get it done before yeah. you know next week when he's cut officially or whatever the case may be. Um, but here's another wrinkle, just because I've heard it out there. Who makes more sense for the Miami Dolphins? Amari Cooper or let's just say DK Metcalf slash Tyler Lockett because the Seattle Seahawks, I don't know what the fuck that franchise is doing right now, but it looks like you can maybe go get one, if not both of those wide receivers, if you're willing to play ball with some draft picks. What makes more sense for the Miami Dolphins? Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf slash Tyler Lockett. Lockett more is like a waddle to me. We already have him. Uh, DK Metcalf, is I'm not going to say he's a one-trick pony, but Amari Cooper has just everything you need route running. He can run the underneath stuff over middle stuff. He can break tackles yards after catch. Look at Metcalf, but uh, just, he's just more of an all around receiver, which we need right now. Cause we have more of like, I don't want to say a gadget and waddle, but we do, uh, you know, have that speedster. You want a guy that can do a lot of the other stuff. He's like an upgraded Jarvis Landry. 
Um, you know, I just, I, I really want and but faster, most likely, because I think Landry is like a 477, something like that. So, uh, and the only reason I know that is because they, uh, Good Morning Football had uh, Teron Armstead on, uh, who is a gigantic offensive lineman, and he ran a faster 40 than Jarvis Landry at the NFL Combine. So, uh, they had that up on the chart. So, that's why I know it. But yeah, you go get them, back the truck up, make it happen. Uh, inflation contracts are going up high anyway. You go lock down this guy for the next three, four years into his early 30s. He plays at home, gets gets plays with Tua, and uh, the rest is history, man. You got to do I, it. I, I say this. I, I, I think you give Amari Cooper a four-year contract, and you have a base salary of $20 million a year, and then you give him a nice little signing bonus of, call it, another $20 million. And there, it's spread over four years. It's $5 million in signing bonus every single year, plus $20 million when it comes to your salary. He's getting $22 million from the Cowboys this year. He's going to get cut. You're now making it 25 plus you're in Miami. Uh, he's getting a pay raise, and he becomes a superstar with Jalen Waddle, Mike Isicki, Tua Tungavailoa. It's a steep price tag, but you can make it work. We can actually cut some dead weight on this Miami Dolphins roster and make more salary cap room to make this even more uh, uh, amenable for the Miami Dolphins on their side. That's what I would do right there. $80 million, four-year contract. He's 31 when it's up. You can decide at that point whether to keep him or not. I think it's a home run. Yeah, well, and like you said, um, I, I, I laugh when the people are like, oh, it's so much money. We have the number one or number two based on who's reporting it, most cap space. Uh, and that's not counting the guys we're going to cut and get rid of and restructure. Yeah. You see teams all the time that are negative cap space that are signing free agents, and you're like, what? How did that happen? Oh, they restructured. We're going to do this. There's so many different things these guys can do. We have a ton of space. Go use it. Use it. Yeah, I, I saw something the other day from a former uh, GM who said uh, the fans worry about the salary cap more than the actual teams do these days because they figured it out. They know the math. It's all funny money. It's a matter of accounting and you switch from one column to the next and all of a sudden you go from 10 million over to 15 million under and you have the same exact player. So it, it, they can figure it out. If they want Amari Cooper, he will be in Miami and vice versa. But uh, you talked about it. You talked about Teron Armstead. You talked about the offensive lines. That is an area that does still need to be addressed. We're going to talk about all things free agents, some of the big names that did not get franchise tags, some names that were released today, Chris, that could possibly help the Miami Dolphins quickly turn this free agent or this offensive line around. Let's talk about that. We'll also talk about the trades of the quarterbacks. Lots of trading going on in the NFL this offseason with starting caliber, Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks. We'll talk about what all that means for the Miami Dolphins right after these words. Admit it, citizens of Perfectville, during this entire COVID-19 global pandemic, you have bought at least one thing from Amazon.com. Admit it. It's okay. We're all friends here. We all live in the same town of Perfectville. I've bought things from Amazon.com. The only difference is when I buy, I go to welcometoperfectville.com first and click the link that takes me to Amazon.com. And why do I do that? Because every time you do that, it takes you to the same exact Amazon.com, same exact shopping experience. But by clicking the link on welcometoperfectville.com first, it sends a couple of dollars to your favorite town of Perfectville. That's right. Helps keep the lights on, so to speak. And there is no hidden fees. There is no extra charges. It's the same exact shopping experience of Amazon.com by way of welcometoperfectville.com. And we're back. Chris Cullen, Sam Marcoux. Welcome to Perfectville Believe Network. And we're talking all things free agency, Chris. And I'm looking forward to next week because next week is when free agency hits. I think Monday is legal tampering day. And then a couple of days after that is when it actually hits the fan. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We haven't done elite tweet or delete tweet in a while. And I've been doing and I've been waiting because 
Elite tweet, delete tweet is always best around a big event. So a football game, elite tweet, delete tweet makes a lot of sense. So in season, we do a lot of those. Out of season, free agency, day one, the, the draft, all those fun times. So we're going to come back and do elite tweet, delete tweet after free agency starts. So we're uh, we're holding off on everybody asking for elite tweet, delete tweet. Although there were some couple of good ones that came out the other day. You, you forwarded one to me here, Chris, and I can't even remember what it said, but I remember when I read it, I laughed my ass off. I'll see if I can pull it up. But while we're doing that, while I'm looking, it was, to pull- the, uh, I, it was the Calvin Ridley. It said it like, it was like the betting his his username was, this is Atlanta Falcons receiver, Calvin Ridley or something like that. It was, uh, I mean, there, I've been getting a bunch of, um, a bunch of good ones and I, and I don't know why I can't find it now, but yeah, there was, it, it made me laugh out loud, uh, to say the least, but, uh, oh yeah, here it is. It was, uh, let me find it here. This is riveting. Oh yeah. Ridley FanDuel account name was Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. <laughs> That comes from deadman underscore PT3. Uh, we'll just do a quick one. That is elite right there. That is an amazing. Like, he just didn't even try to hide it. Hiding in plain sight, as they say. Um, but uh, speaking of the NFC South, and that's another one that we talked about before. I mean, Calvin really was potentially an option to trade for. That's not going to happen. But the NFC South is letting go of Teron Armstead. The New Orleans Saints are not franchise tagging him. He will hit the open market. He is the marquee left tackle of this entire free agency period. I believe he's like 31 years old. Um, he He's going to command a lot of money here, Chris, but he uh, he also has an injury history, which concerns me a little bit. But when I start looking at these different offensive linemen that are now free agents or will be free agents, um, it, 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 it smacks me in the face that the Miami Dolphins are probably, if they don't use their money on Amari Cooper, are probably going to invest heavily on at least two, if not three, veteran offensive linemen to help patch uh, this very poor offensive line that we've seen over the last few years. So uh, what are your thoughts on the free agency class that's coming up in terms of the offensive linemen? And where would you like to see the Miami Dolphins go in terms of name names, name players for the Miami Dolphins as free agent targets? Yeah, um, the offensive line has to be critical. Um, You know, we've tried to draft uh, I could see Mike McDaniel coming in and say, hey, look, there's a lot of young guys they did this. put draft capital towards um, and try to coach them up, which it can happen possibly, but I don't think that deters us from going to get a big name or two. I could see a Toronto arm set. I, I know the Titans just released their um, guard as well uh, because of uh, cap reasons. Roger Saffold, I think is his name. Yep. Saffold. Eric Fisher's out there a little bit on the older side. But um, we have to have a veteran presence, Sam. And we've talked about this way back with Richmond Webb, that there's just all these young guys with a coach that's inaudible. You can't understand him when he speaks. Um, that was running the show. And you got to you bring in this guy now, Applebaum, um, and, and you, you pair some veterans with our young guys that we do have on a roster, like a Solomon Kinley, a Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson, and uh, get rid of Jesse Davis, please Christ. And you, you pair the veterans with those guys, and the veterans and the coach on, on top of each other with, with the, those young guys form a, a formidable unit. Like you, you said, it's going to be a patch job. You're not going to go out and get five brand-new starters off the street, and here, here we go, we're the best O-line in the league. Look, we don't need to be the best O-line in the league, Sam. Let's just not be the worst, okay? Like, can we, like, aim for, like, 14th, 12th? 11th like somewhere in the tens like not not crazy we don't need to be the best but 
we, we got to do something and they, you got to go out and uh, we said back the truck up to Mario Cooper. Oh boy. You got to do it for the offense line. Cause I don't care who you have a receiver two is on his back. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there's some names out there. Uh, Teron Armstead. I, I, he's 30. I think I aged him a year, but he's 30 years old. He's got an injury history, but he's going to, you know, somebody's going to back up the Brinks truck for this guy. He, he can do anything in any scheme. He is that good. And he's hitting the open market. So if the dolphins were to go get him, that cures a lot of ills. Brandon Scherf, who's a name that people maybe have forgotten about. I think he's a right guard, which, you know, we have a right guard already. So maybe that's not a great fit, but he's better than Robert Hunt. He just is. He's 30 years old. Uh, He was not franchise tagged by the Washington Commanders. We'll talk a little bit more about them here soon. Uh, So he's going to be a free agent. Lakin Tomlinson, who was a Pro Bowl left guard for the San Francisco 49ers last season with Mike McDaniel as their offensive coach, offensive coordinator. He is going to be a free agent. So you have some pieces that we know actually fit within the Mike McDaniel offense. You have some pieces that we know will fit in just about anybody's offense. Uh, And then uh, the guy we were just talking about, uh, Roger Saffold, he's 34. He's a little bit maybe older. But again, I'm of the opinion that you can go older with offensive line players because the older they are, usually the that means they're in the league a long time, which means they kind of know what they're doing. You know, he's also coming from a zone blocking scheme, so he kind of understands how this whole thing works. He's another name that I wouldn't necessarily uh, put, you know, to bed quite yet. He didn't have a great year in 2020 and 2021, but he's not a bad player either. I think they need veterans. Uh, people are talking about Ryan Jensen, the center from the Buccaneers. I don't know if we go that route. I think we'll probably go younger with the center for or, or keep Dieter Deiter. I don't want to just because he's hideous. I don't want to watch him for 17 games. Yeah, he's an ugly guy, isn't he? Like, I don't even want to. Super ugly. Yeah, he's like three freckles away from the perfect hand, but otherwise. He looks like the guy from um, Salute Your Shorts with the red mullet. Yeah. But like curly and fatter. Like, probably what he looks like now. Uh, absolutely not. I can't watch that freckled freak for 17 games. Like it's not, it's not going to happen. Okay. You, the the you can't have that redheaded freckled freak in orange and aqua. It's just going to look weird. Like, you know how, like sometimes the colors are just too much for your HD TV and it looks funny him walking around in those colors are uniform with his skin tone and his hair is just going to cause and he's havoc. literally the center of attention. Like on yeah. every play, like I'm not watching it. Like Tim Ruddy was already a, close second for me i could barely fathom him with this stupid uh bar on his face mask but jensen absolutely not you can just send him somewhere else so we, we've already discussed this but uh if chris cullen and sam Marcu were in charge of the miami dolphins we would say no to ryan jensen the best center in the league because uh he's ugly and we want good looking fat guys on the offensive line am i hearing you right correct so teron armstead teron armstead handsome fat man he could be. He could play on our line. Lakin Tomlinson, good looking, you know, all around good looking, kind of all American, clean cut kind of guy. He could play on our offensive line. But Ryan Jensen, fat, disgusting, sweaty, freckled freak, get the fuck out of here. You are no good for us. You all pro center. Yeah. You. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how we make our business decisions, Sam. That's how, that's how we do our scouting. You have to be good looking. Um, I mean, honestly, I. I <laughs> It'd be a good looking man. Uh, like, honestly, I'm like, I think two is not playing that good. Cause he doesn't have like the highlights on the top of his hair. Like I use to dye his hair. Like I'm sitting here, like worried about what this guy actually looks like. Like I'm thirsty for these guys. Uh, <laughs> so two needs frosted tips, like an old NSYNC band member. And all of a sudden he'll hit 30 yeah, touchdowns. That's, in a that's, season. that's the, that, that's the national championship winning tour right there. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you tell me, I, I'm just, I'm just a guy. 
You tell me. I cannot wait till race gets to this part of the fucking podcast. It's going to be tweeted at me immediately. I can't imagine why the Miami Dolphins haven't hired both you and I as regional scouts. Like I could scout USC, Stanford, Cal. You can scout North Carolina, NC State, the Gamecocks, and everybody out there uh, where you're living. And I would just see it like, oh, yeah, you know, runs a 4440, sure. You know, bench presses 225, 300 times. Yeah. But, you know, the handlebar mustache is uneven. So I, I don't know that we can trust this guy. Uh, like George Costanza, like, uh, of like GM. Like, I mean, seriously, that's why Tannehill never won here because it was disgusting toe thumbs. Like, it just. That's what it was. So, like, Tannehill had all the potential in the world because he's a good looking guy. He had the quarterback chin and everything else, but then he had those weird toe thumbs and that just messed it all up, which is why he never reached his full potential. But once he wore gloves in Tennessee and, and covered up that hideous, you know, disgusting hand disease that he has um all of a sudden he was throwing touchdown bombs so there it is it, it, it's all about the looks it's the aesthetics ladies and gentlemen it's the sizzle not the steak that's how you win super bowls in this league yeah if we sign jensen i'm puking and i'm never watching a game again yeah I, it'll be have to you'll have to do like uh targeted censorship where like there's just a black bar over the center so you'll just see like this void of video and then a ball shooting out of the voids ass into Tua's hands so as just as he's running the rpo offense um yeah no but okay so there you go so teron armstead lake and tomlinson yes uh roger saffold par- perhaps uh ryan jensen absolutely not that's that's what we've come to not even on my list not even on my clipboard <laughs> Uh, who was that Don't guy? Who was who was the offensive lineman for um, uh, the Seahawks for a while? And was in that same mold. And he actually came to the Miami Dolphins for like half a season. We're like, that guy's ugly as shit. And he was like a twin. There was two ugly fat guys that were playing offensive line. And one was on the Seahawks. He was really, really hideous. Somebody's going to help me out. Somebody's screaming at their phone right now as they listen to this because they know exactly who it is. And I can't think of the guy's name, but he was a big freckled freak as well. And uh, I can't think of his name, but he, one of them, one of those disgusting pigs came to the Miami Dolphins and uh, blocked hideously for us. But uh, it didn't really matter because he was, again, he was ugly and bad. This guy's at least ugly and good, but uh, I can't think of who it is. And I'm trying to search on my phone. I put Seahawks offensive lineman ugly. Yeah, he had a uh, mullet or something, right? Yeah, he was, he was gross. (laughs) I put in Seahawks offensive line ugly and it says the, Pass protections ugly last year. No, I need I need a name. I need a name, Google. I love how you're just like he's gross. He was. He was disgusting. He looked like Bigfoot's dick. It was disgusting. And uh I just I don't know what his actual name was. And I know somebody's gonna know it and they're gonna tell me yeah, about this it. This is a riveting podcast yeah. segment so far. <laughs> the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this guy was definitely bad, and he was certainly ugly. And uh, I, I just, I, can't, I am drawing and gross. And he was, yeah, he just, he probably smelled bad. I mean, I could smell him through the TV. Um, well, that's the thing matter. with Jensen, you know, like he's in Tampa on the West Coast there. He goes down to Miami, even more humid. And now, now he's got only freckled and with a curly orange mullet. He's sweating too. Like, I don't need Tua Tungalailoa getting a ball from that sweaty menace of society that looks like the kid from fucking Terminator, which I just realized is the same guy from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah. Good, good call. And you know what? It's also like, it's nightmare fuel. So he goes, you know, he, he's, he's looking at this guy's butthole and uh, he's throwing him the ball, but he can still kind of see his disgusting freckled face through his legs. So all you he's see like is butthole. Arms, yeah. The ball. 
Yeah, you see butthole and then you see face butthole and you're just like, ah, and then you fumble. We don't need that. We don't we don't need the offense to go backwards, literally, because of this ugly yeah. center who's very good. And at his this job. asshole misses a double leg at blitz. Tua gets blasted. He looks up in the sun and here comes <laughs> fucking ogre from, you know, Butnik from the Salute Your Shorts offering a handshake to help him up because he made a mistake. And Tua is just like, oh. And he is, reaches up. He's got that in his head the whole time. This is the real reason Tom Brady retired. He just couldn't handle it anymore as the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, he like, won a lot of Super Bowls. Good looking dude. Good I mean, looking like, guy. Honestly, we're not trying to, like, I mean, this is just, it's fucking science at this point. Matthew Stafford, gorgeous. Aaron yeah. Donald, a model. Like, I mean, they're winning Super Bowls, dude. When uh, when Aaron when Aaron Rodgers was clipped up and actually looked halfway decent, he was winning Super Bowls. When he's uh, shoving his disgusting feet into the camera, he's losing oh, in the second God. round. You know, so the worst thing that happened this entire season was Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. I'm so glad he agreed to back with the Green Bay Packers. I was so sick of hearing about this guy. And if I swear to God that um, uh, not Tom Pelissero but Ian uh, Rappaport made it like his mission to mention his toe every fucking segment on NFL network because he knew people tweeted at him and hated it. And uh, it was, it was disgusting. So Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Disgusting homeless looking hobo that plays acoustic guitar, Wonderwall at a fire. Um, you know, of course he's not winning. He, he doesn't look good, you know um, it's just the way it goes. Jensen should not be anywhere near the Miami Dolphins. Just send them to Seattle where obviously they're home to very ugly, gross offensive linemen. Was it, was it J.R. Sweezy? Was that who it was? Wasn't he the weird redheaded guy? <laughs> I we had to look that up. Yeah, I think it was Jared. Jamie, I'm, can you look that up? Our yeah, producer Jamie, our, our producer Jamie's going to look that up. He'll get back to us. Never. All right. Well, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he is part of the news break that we need to talk about here in terms of the quarterback position here in the NFL. Now, it's kind of fun to sit back with the popcorn, Chris, and go. We have our quarterback. We put all of our chips in with Tua Tungabailoa. Mike McDaniel's come out and said. Tua is our guy. We're looking for a number two or a backup quarterback who can, you know, help Tua, support Tua, and then come in. God forbid there's an issue with Tua injury wise. Um, so we're not really in the quarterback controversy space right now. So none of this really affects us directly, but this does affect us indirectly. Now let's talk a little bit about the news. Number one, Aaron Rodgers signs a four-year contract extension with the Green Bay Packers for $200 million. I think 163 of that is fully guaranteed. Uh, Green Bay Packers basically going all in. They also franchise-tagged Devontae Adams, uh, which is basically how it affected the Miami Dolphins, I suppose. But uh, they're looking for the next two years, I would say, to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers or they're screwed, but it had the net effect of if they were able to sign Aaron Rodgers, which they did, they could then use the franchise tag franchise tag on Devontae Adams, which they did, which meant that Devontae Adams is no longer a free agent under consideration for the Miami Dolphins. That's how the Aaron Rodgers news indirectly affected the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it also means that the Miami Dolphins, I think on some level, when they started seeing all these wide receivers get gobbled up, said we need to use the franchise tag on our own pass catching threat and then perhaps possibly target the one guy uh, that we're looking at in Amari Cooper that they might break the bank for. Devontae Adams would have been another one. We would have broken the bank for Devontae Adams should he have uh, reached free agency, but he did not. What are your thoughts on what the Green Bay Packers moves are with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and everything around it? And it's real fun to talk about, Sam, but um, with my research skills, I was actually able to find who you're talking about, and he is the ugliest human being I've ever seen, and it's Paul McQuiston. And if you please Google right now, Paul McQuiston, while I speak on it, the uh, very first photograph Oof. of him is the almost ugliest, hideous thing I've ever seen. 
And uh, yeah, and he his brother, he had a twin brother who I think played for the Dolphins. That's who played for us. Yeah, yeah. So we had the yeah, we had he... one half of the Fugly Twins. <laughs> oh God! Look oh at, my God! At, he is at, horrifying. If you want to see, if you want to see something worse, go from Paul McQuiston and then tap on uh, siblings Pat McQuiston and look at the first picture that you see there oh. too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to. That's a. I want to bully him. <laughs> He's so fucking ugly. I want. I want an offensive line of Paul and Pat McQueen, J.R. <laughs> Sweezy, and then our center could be uh, that that moon pig that we just talked about from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's. <laughs> I want nothing but big uglies. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds nice. <laughs> what did, what did uh, you call uh, free agency? Free agency. Uh, I cannot believe uh, what is <clears throat> what is Seattle doing? Right? They trade Russell Wilson. They get nothing, nothing for him. Basically, um, <laughs> we we, we haven't even gotten there. No, we, we weren't we weren't talking about Russell Wilson. We we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Oh. But you know, it doesn't matter. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. Let's get to Russell Wilson because this is actually the big big news. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos in the AFC West. Uh, they send Noah Fant, uh, Drew Locke, and a defensive lineman back to Seattle with a bunch of draft picks. Uh, Seattle, not sure what they're doing. But what are your thoughts, Russell Wilson, with the Denver Broncos in 2021, 2022, and beyond? Yeah, this hurts the Miami Dolphins, Sam. Like, honestly, we, we talked about this a little bit, how it's, like, indirectly affecting us. It, it's directly going to affect us. When we're sitting there again at 10 wins and we're hoping to be one of those three wildcard teams to go in because now that AFC West is unbelievable. Uh, I mentioned something to you, and this is pretty interesting when we talked off the air. I saw somebody tweet that Derek, is Derek Carr the greatest quarterback – I'm sorry, the worst quarterback – I'm sorry, he's the greatest quarterback that's the worst in his division. You know what I mean? Like, it's unbelievable because you got Herbert, you got Mahomes, you got Wilson and Carr. He's the worst of the four and he's a really good quarterback. So, like, uh, you think about that and you're like, there's three wild cards, man. Like, they could all come from the AFC West. Like, it's, it's really unbelievable. They're all going to be beating up each other. And those teams in the middle ground, us, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers that are, like, hoping to get in and we need one or two teams to lose. All this does is add another superstar quarterback to an AFC from the NFC. And, and Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers get this moonwalk, speaking of moon pigs, moonwalk into the NFC championship every year because there's no one else to play. The, the competition is dry in the NFC, and it's all over here in the AFC. Yeah, the AFC is tilted. I remember growing up, and the NFC was the – preeminent league i mean everything was in the nfc they won the super bowl like 10 years in a row and they were just better than the afc every single year it's 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 different now the afc i think has become especially when it comes to the quarterbacks uh just a better conference and you know that does make it harder for the miami dolphins i mean russell wilson coming to the denver broncos with that running game and those wide receivers and that defense Holy shit, that is a complete package. And the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers are all just put on notice. And like you said, Derek Carr might be the best, worst quarterback in a division ever. I mean, you and I were talking about this. We were trying to get to, you know, the only one I can think of is the AFC East in the 90s at one point, I think, had Dan Marino with the Dolphins, Jim Kelly with the Buffalo Bills, Boomer Esiason with the Jets, uh, Jim Harbaugh with the Colts, and Drew Bledsoe with the Patriots. Not a bad group of five. But Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and, of course, Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr is a starter on just about every team in this league. 
outside of maybe the three other ones in his division. And uh, that that's an astounding amount of talent there uh, in the AFC West. And again, it makes it harder because the Miami Dolphins right now look like they're going to be fighting for wild card spots. You know, all the more reason why winning your division makes the most sense. It's the easiest path to this to the Super Bowl and into the playoffs. Cause if you're relying on a team that you're not even going to play like the Denver Broncos in 2022 to lose more games than you, a team that you're not going to play in uh, uh, the, the chargers uh, you know, all of those things, that's a good team. Those are good teams with great quarterbacks that the Miami dolphins are now in direct competition with. Um, and long-term it may help the Miami Dolphins, though, because if this Russell Wilson experiment does not work for Denver, they are depleted of some assets. So uh, they have probably one, two, maybe three years with Russell Wilson where they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, if you will. But after that, uh, not a whole lot. And they don't have the draft picks anymore. So if this works, then it's going to work. If not, then you're going to see the Denver Broncos tumble back to mediocrity and the back end of the AFC. So this could help Miami long term, but short term looks like yet another hurdle in front of them on the mountain to success. Yeah. And it just makes Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer's job harder. Uh, Cause now guys are going to want to go play in Denver to play with Russell Wilson. Whereas if that, you know, it's drew lock there or Teddy Bridgewater, they're maybe not garnering the same attention from top free agents. So um, they whole AFC just got more difficult. And until the Miami Dolphins can prove the Buffalo bills don't own us, which they absolutely do. Uh, then we have to worry about the wild card. Like you said, and there's three of them and it looks like, literally all four from the AFC West could win the division and have three wild cards because that's how good they are. Um, I mean, honestly, the Raiders went to the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this the AFC is tough, man. It, it, that just is all the more reason you back up the truck from Mario Cooper and you got to hit these draft picks in the uh, draft and, and have a really good solid free agency. Yeah, never mind the free agency. I mean, Jerry Judy is all over social media right now just doing backflips that he's got an actual quarterback to throw him the ball there in Denver. So uh, I'm interested to see what that offense is going to look like with Russell Wilson under the, under the helm there because they got a great running game. They have some really talented wide receivers that are under utilized and uh that defense like i said can't speak highly enough about it it's it's going to be interesting especially now that they have an offensive minded coach working with a veteran potentially hall of fame quarterback and russell wilson um but that's not the only move here chris we had another one here uh carson wentz uh yet again uh somebody fell for the old carson wentz in the tailpipe trick again uh the washington commanders give up a couple third round picks to the indianapolis colts now carson wentz goes from the afc to the nfc so maybe a little bit of talent switch over to the NFC. And uh, uh, the best tweet I saw about it was, uh, this is great for the Eagles because they'll once again be catching passes from Carson Wentz again, uh, which is a really good tweet. Um, But what do you think of the Indianapolis Colts? What's their next move? Because they are, again, one of those teams that will be fighting with the Miami Dolphins in 2022, most likely for a wild card spot. What do the Colts do here now that they got rid of Carson Wentz and they have nobody essentially at the quarterback position? Yeah, I'm going to, call my shot now and say Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a Indianapolis Colt. He goes there with Frank Reich, um, with Jonathan Taylor, that line, that defense. Oh boy. Like, uh, and they got picks, <laughs> you know, they swapped seconds and, uh, got like a third this year and a third next year. What could turn into a second, which is like the classic, I believe in Carson Wentz trade scenario. And, uh, two things, the Philadelphia Eagles look like geniuses right now for everything they got for Carson Wentz to get a first for them. And he, they, they quit on him after one season. And second, Wentz didn't have that bad of a season. He had like right. 27 touchdowns, seven picks. I'm like, uh, yes, please. That sounds really good right now. Um, but inconsistent when it mattered at the end, those last two games, they had two chances winning in. That's it. And you're playing the team with the number one overall pick 
and you completely shit the bed. I mean, that's just unacceptable. Um, is it worth getting rid of the guy? I don't know. But um, what they do now, I think they're going to upgrade. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is not a world beater by any means, but he's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And yet again, now we, with their running game, uh, Garoppolo with Frank paired with Frank Reich and Jonathan Taylor are a, another team that we're going to be battling with in that 9 to 10 to 11 win spot. And I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is an actual upgrade over Carson Wentz. They went head-to-head last year, and I think Carson outplayed him. But to your point, he's better than with having nobody there. And Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Colts, uh, let's, just, let's just play that scenario out there, Chris, because if Jimmy G goes to the Colts, you have yet another uh, Super Bowl starting caliber, I guess, quarterback there with a great running game, with a decent defense, and pretty good weapons in terms of uh, the wide receivers there in uh, Indianapolis. But what that also does is it makes the Niners, who this has been their plan, uh, start Trey Lance. And if you've seen any of the reports coming out of Northern California, Trey Lance is not ready to go, at least right now. Seems like he needs a lot of seasoning. And I know they got Brian Greasy uh, to be his quarterback coach, so I'm sure that's going to go well. But uh, this might have the indirect effect of helping the Miami Dolphins wherever Jimmy G goes, because if the Niners take a step back and I have every reason to think they will, because a, they don't have Jimmy G who despite everything is still a veteran quarterback. B they have Trey Lance, who I think has taken seven snaps as a quarterback his entire life, high school, college and pros. And three, Mike McDaniel is not scheming up that offense anymore for San Francisco because he's with us. You could see that first round draft pick next year in the 2023 draft, which we own, uh, be much better than the 29th overall that like you see here in 2022. So I'm excited to see where Jimmy G goes because I think it helps hurt the San Francisco 49ers, which ultimately helps the Miami Dolphins next year. Um, another good one, point. another one that, of course, it's a good point. It's a great point, Chris. We talked about it off air and we agreed that we would talk about it. So um, another one to think about, maybe Kirk Cousins, not black Kirk Cousins, but white Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering which one you meant. Yeah, Kirk Cousins classic. Uh, he's got one year left, which means he's easily tradable um, to any team that's willing to take him. Kirk Cousins isn't the worst quarterback ever, but he's kind of like what you used to call the Andy Dalton line. I think it's now the Kirk Cousins line. Like, are you better or worse than Kirk Cousins? If you're better than Kirk Cousins, you're okay. If you're worse than Kirk Cousins, you probably need to be benched. He is that new Mendoza line, if you will. Uh, I could see him going to someone like Indianapolis. Again, same thing that Jimmy G has. He's got a great running game, decent wide receivers, and an okay defense. Maybe Kirk Cousins traded from Minnesota to the Indianapolis Colts would make a lot of sense. Indy gets to, again, a weak division where it sounds like, Chris, uh, people are in play. I think the the Green Bay Packers and Tennessee Titans were talking about Aaron Rodgers possibly going to Tennessee, which means maybe they don't have all the faith in the world in Ryan Tannehill anymore either. But anyway, you slice it. That's a weak division. All they really need is a game manager uh, in terms of a quarterback and rely on the weapons around them, and they could be in the playoff hunt if not win that division outright. So uh, lots of ins and outs, lots of working pieces when it comes to the quarterback position uh, here in 2022. It also tells me, Chris, everyone's scrambling to get their starting quarterback because I don't think anyone really believes in the quarterback class of 2022. That's what I, that's what I'm reading into is everyone saying, let's see what we can do this year and see what happens in 2023 when other quarterbacks are coming out. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a collective thing. I think everybody jumps in and, you know, talks about this QB class or whatever, uh, being more comparable to like the Christian Ponder uh, uh, draft class. Of uh, those guys, but I'm going to make sure I'm on record in a recorded um, where I think a guy that fell down the draft boards because he lost all of his talent uh, around him in college and still had a really good season and rushed for almost a thousand yards 
that's going to make a team really happy at the end of the first round is Sam Howell. That kid's going to show up and either the Lions are going to get him, the Steelers are going to get him, somebody's going to trade back into the first to get him. And he's a leader. He's, he's a quiet assassin type. And he's got a great arm, can make all the throws, and he can run. Um, they're sleeping on Sam Howell. And it's because he's not 6'4", 240. You know, he's a 6'1", Baker Mayfield physical uh, attribute um, size-wise. But they're sleeping on him. And, and, but I agree that it, it's like, you know, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, you know, these guys uh, aren't burning down houses or anything. I mean, like a fucking edge rusher might go first overall. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and there's a couple other teams out there that still need a quarterback, especially in the AFC, although I'm not rooting for them. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's a lot of talent on that team. They just don't really have a quarterback. Uh, you know, Jimmy G's been kind of attached to them as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, is still going to go on the move. And then, of course, you've got the guy out of Detroit. You just mentioned the Lions, um, uh, the old Cal Berkeley guy who was on the Rams, and then they did better without him. I can't think of his name. You know Here what you I'm go. talking about. Uh, Mr. Goff, I think he's going to move on as well because Detroit probably is going to take a quarterback at some point in this draft. And at that point, Jared Goff is probably irrelevant, uh, which means he probably goes to the Steelers or the Colts or something along those lines. And there's one more shoe to drop, Sam. And he was a very big part of the Miami Dolphins in season mm. um, who has uh, two court appearances on Friday uh, to civil and criminal. Um, <clears throat> and it's a guy named Deshaun Watson. So uh, there's a lot of teams, Carolina Panthers, uh, the, um, the Steelers, others uh, that are really watching this closely um, and things settle or things get clear. There's a real possibility that, that he's on the move. Um, so keep an eye on, on that, too. That shoe has to drop. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson to the Panthers seems like a foregone conclusion. But, you know, uh, we we oh. shall see. Oh, the people here, I live, like, as you know, if you're new to the show, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. The people here hated Cam Newton because he was just like, you know, outgoing the people here, white people, I mean, that, that are from the South will hate Deshaun Watson. Oh my God. I don't even, I'm glad I don't work in the bank branch anymore and have to hear about that crap over and over again. Jesus Christ. It'll be interesting to see where Deshaun Watson lands because uh, he, he is, he is kind of public enemy number one, just about everywhere in the NFL. Uh, but the first time he throws a 70 yard touchdown pass to whatever wide receiver is going to catch Yay. it, the people all of a sudden will be like, you know what? He's not so bad. Here's a name I want to throw out real quick before we end the show, a free agent that I'm, I, I would hope to um, bring on. I think Mike McDaniel can do some stuff for him, and he played at the University of Miami as Braxton Berrios. Ah. Uh, he played for the Jets, uh, kicker turner specialist kind of guy, get Jalen Waddle out of that role, um, and can help us in the slot and do some things with Mike McDaniel. I'd love to bring him in on a low-money low, low money deal uh, to fit him in the wide receiver room, and I think he and Wes Welker, for obvious reasons, will get along just fine. Yeah, a lunch pail guy, real gritty, hardworking. Um, you know, Braxton first man in, first man out, the <laughs> last man out, coach the son. Yeah. Uh, gritty. Braxton Bar Braxton Barrios is a guy that I talked about on a Twitter space the other day. Somebody else mentioned him to Emerson. Fast. You know, I, anybody coming from uh sudden, but not fast. Uh anybody coming from an A an AFC East team, whether it's JC Jackson, uh, Braxton Barrios. Uh, any of these people, the first thing I want them to do is come to Miami if they sign with Miami and completely denounce the team they came from. So if Braxton Berrios is coming to the Miami Dolphins and he's coming home and he's excited to be here and yada, 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 and oh, by the way, fuck the Jets and then walk off. That's what I want. I want you to denounce your citizenship of where you were, even though you had no control over it. But Braxton Berrios is a guy like I think if Amari Cooper is uh, who the Miami Dolphins get, you can still go get Braxton Berrios and he 
he's a guy oh, yeah. that you just said uh, he can return punts. He, he can fly down there on punt coverage. He can, you know, be a guy that like you're covering Amari and you're covering Jalen and you're covering Gisicki and all of a sudden Barrios is there and he's getting, you know, 13 yards and making a guy miss and all of a sudden it's 17 yards and you're just like, Braxton, he's that pest. He's that bug. And I would love to see him actually back in Miami. I think that's a great call. Yeah, I loved him as a hurricane and he's like a Cole Beasley type. You need that kind of guy. Uh, get you a first down if they're doubling Jalen with a bracket over the top or something and pressing underneath. Um, definitely bring him in. I think it, I don't think it'll break the bank. He had a decent year. I mean, he's a good player, um, but he played in the fucking So, I mean, like, how good was that team really? Yeah. Uh, we know, not good. Uh, so bring him in. I, I think that's a definite Mike McDaniel type. And what you just said, didn't Wes Wilker do that to us? Didn't he go to the Patriots and say, like, publicly, he always would be on our sideline and look across the field and wish he was on that sideline? I totally remember him saying that. Yeah, he said something along those lines, and it hurt my feelings, Wes Welker. So you need to come on the show and apologize to Chris, to Sam, and the entire citizens of Perfectville. Uh, Chris, last thing before we go. Uh, Bold prediction, who signs or who leaves the Miami Dolphins as a big shock? Because there's always one, at least. What's the big news next week when we get back together and we go, we did not see that coming? I think Ogba gets paid big by someone and we lose him. And I don't like that. I don't want it to happen, but I have a feeling I'm going to be right on that. Uh, that's where I was going to go. I was going to say Ogba to the Patriots and rips out our soul and heart as he does so. Um, but I think we're in agreement there. It seems like Ogba is going elsewhere. I'm going to throw one out there. Uh, I think JC Jackson comes to the Miami Dolphins from the Patriots uh, in a move that nobody expected because we're thinking it's going to be offense, offense, offense. Yet we shore up our defense with either JC Jackson or some sort of Bobby Wagner type linebacker Ooh, love it i would love it he still has juice in the tank and jc jackson is pissed that the patriots don't think he's worth what he is and if he can come play them twice a year mac jones better watch the bug out well there you go i think uh, i think we've said everything we set out to say today and uh, if i've learned yeah, nothing like else moon pig. moon pig if i've learned nothing else uh there's a uh, inordinate amount of redheaded freckled freaks on offensive lines around the NFL, and I want none of them on my team. But yes, Pat and Paul McQuiston, the two ugliest sons of bitches I've ever seen in my life, and uh, have got to be first cousins to Ryan Jensen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they do look related, and um, <laughs> I mean, I do. I don't want to end on talking about these disgusting heat bags of just like flea-infested, <laughs> freckled, old leather shoes in the sun. Like you know, that's what they smell like. Um, but yeah, that, they're so good at football, Sam, because they can't get a girlfriend, so they just work out 24-7. Yeah, the only thing they're allowed to fuck is the football itself. Um, so they just spend all their time around it and in it, apparently, based on that. Makes I don't sense. Know Moon pig fucking a pig skin. <laughs> just gonna lose our contract. All right. Uh, <laughs> with nothing left to say, on behalf of Chris Golan, Sam Marku, and the entire Believe Network, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.